Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from Pastor Nathan Lang. James chapter 3 tonight, if you would. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And I'm going to go ahead and read the, the, the chapter again. I read it last week, but I want to read it again just so uh, we're on the same page. And, uh, and as, we're, <coughs> as we're going down through that, you uh, just kind of... Um, um, you know, put a little reminder in our mind of what's going on in this chapter. And so, uh, James chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about, and, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships... Uh, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now that's pretty much where we left off last week. And picking up this week, I'm going to do a quick review on that in a moment. But in verse number nine, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. And that's uh, probably a very, one of, the, uh, one of the most well-known quoted verses out of the book of James uh, amongst us Christians, I believe. And verse number 11, Doth a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of a vine, figs? <coughs> so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? Who is wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Oh, I tell you what, that verse is so powerful. That verse right there, that last verse. And we're going we're gonna to cover these here today. Uh, but uh, last week, just real quickly, if I could just review a little bit from last week. Uh, we talked about how we live in a world that's full of uh, words, and uh, those words matter. What we say matters. Um, you can say something in jest, you can say something just kidding around, uh, but depending on what mood that person's in, it can make all the difference. Um, you know, when somebody comes to church, comes to our church, now don't miss this here tonight, uh, when somebody comes up through those doors, don't just assume that they're in a good mood and you can joke with them and they're just going to take whatever you give them. Um, we got to be very, very careful. We, we, we need to make sure that we're edifying when we come to God's house. Amen? And, um, and I'm not saying that, that, that joking is never, never something that could be done. Uh, I was, we were, 
I was joking around with Andy and, and um, Mr. Leaf uh, just before the service, and uh, um, but uh, but just be very careful um, how you joke with people, and be careful uh, what you say. It's just the reality is our words, even though um, you know what we say, we don't always mean it for harm. Some people could take it that way. Um, I, I'll never forget this. Somebody said to me uh, in counseling with me, and this isn't this isn't a Bible verse, uh, but I think it's good wisdom. Um, they said, Nathan, they said, you're not only responsible for what you say, you're also responsible for what people think you say. And, uh, and, and, and that's the truth. You know, we've got to be really careful. And you know, if we say something that maybe come across kind of harsh, we need to be willing to get that right with somebody and not swell up with pride and say, well, uh, you know, you just need to have thicker skin. Well, no, uh, we, we got to be careful with our words. Once again, our words make a difference. They make a difference in what we say, uh, in, in how we say it. They make a difference in people's lives. And so uh, uh, God is a speaking God. He spoke the world into existence. Uh, he framed the worlds that way. So what, what an amazing thing. Uh, what a gift that our speech is. Um, you don't realize how, how much of a gift it is until you talk with somebody who, uh, who, is, um, uh, who cannot speak. Uh, someone who's deaf or one of those sort of circumstances uh, when you don't realize just how big of a gift we have. Uh, and praise God for that. And so uh, I quoted this last week. I want to say it again. Uh, President Lincoln said, uh, I would rather remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. And so uh, sometimes, sometimes just saying nothing at all is, is powerful enough. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and actually what we're going to be tran, what we're going to be doing after these first eight verses, we're going to be, uh, that we covered last week, these last not, verses nine through 18, uh, really are dealing with wisdom, uh, and what we say, how we say it, it's dealing with, with wisdom in our lives. And, uh, we've got to be really careful to make sure, uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be wise, but, uh, as you're going to find in the text here, uh, it's one thing to say you're wise. It's another thing to show wisdom with your actions. Does that make sense? And so that's what we've dealt with with works in chapter, in chapter, uh, in chapter number two. Uh, we, we dealt with the, the subject of works and how with works, uh, you know, it's not just saying that, okay, I'm a Christian and I, I'm going to serve Jesus. It's actually putting feet to it. It's actually doing the work. It's actually putting forth works. And so the same with wisdom. Uh, we all, I would hope, would want wisdom, would want to gain wisdom. But if we're going to have true wisdom, it's not just something that we can just say. It's going to be exemplified through our actions and what we actually do. Anybody can read a, a, a quote off the online and quote it to somebody. And, well, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty smart. That, the, the quote I just read you by Abraham Lincoln. Anybody could just re, read, you know, read that quote and say, wow, man, that's, there's some wisdom in that. Uh, but you know what? If your life doesn't portray it, if your life doesn't show it, if you're a big mouth and you're always talking, then that verse means nothing, does it? And so, uh, so I hope you understand where I'm going with this. Uh, one of the marks of authentic Christian behavior is that we control our speech. Uh, we must, must learn uh, when to give grace, when to not say anything at all. Um, now, you're sitting there and saying, well, you don't know my situation, you don't, and I don't. And I know that we, we covered last week in chapter 3 the fact that uh, he says that, you know what, it's, our tongue is unruly, it's set out of the pit of hell, and it's something that we cannot control in our own selves. But with Jesus Christ, we can. Are you with me tonight? All right, I want to try to, uh, I don't want you falling asleep on me already. It's a little warm in here, I know, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to not have to mess with anything tonight. Um, but uh, James highlights something that is, 
uh, a particular issue for teachers in the church, but in general, the issue uh, is for all believers. He covers uh, in this text here and the, the importance of keeping uh, our tongue uh, in check, the importance of being careful what we say. Uh, it's not always what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it. Uh, and so our, our speech makes, makes a big difference. And so uh, uh, to control our tongue, we need to understand uh, our tongue. We need to understand what it is. Our tongue is a reflection of our heart. What we are saying with our mouth is a reflection of what's inside our hearts. And so we've got to realize that if you don't understand where, where it's coming from, that's why it's a big deal when you say something. If you fly off the handle and curse at somebody or you fly off the handle and you're very mean and harsh to someone, uh, you're, you're revealing what's in your heart. And so what do we need to do? You know, oh, cut your tongue off. No, you need to get your heart right. You could cut your tongue off, but you know, that's not going to fix the problem. What's in the heart is the, inside the heart's still there. So we need to take care of the matter and take care of the issue at heart, so to speak. And so, uh, uh, so there's, a, there's many things that we saw. We saw how powerful that our tongue is, and, uh, and it shows us how powerful uh, that they are. James provided uh, with some, a, a few different things in here that we looked at. Uh, he talked about horses. He compared our tongue to horses uh, in verse 3 and verse number 4. He compared our tongues to, uh, who knows what the second thing he compared our, our, heart, our tongues to. To a ship, that's right, to a, yeah, to a ship, and then ultimately to a fire. And uh, so those are, those are three pictures uh, that he set forth to us, to us in order for us to see what he was talking about here. And he, pro- he provides the anatomy of the tongue uh, and how devastating that it is, uh, that it's a world of iniquity. In verse number six, as I'm just stair-stepping down through here, uh, and uh, he said that it corrupts the whole body in verse number six. And the tongue, it, it set uh, uh, the whole course of one's life on fire. And so the tongue is the one, uh, the one muscle of our bodies uh, that we do not fail to exercise. And uh, we, we, we say what we think. And usually, it, you, not all of us do that. Not all of us are always saying what we think. But some people, how many of you know somebody who can't hold back? They say what's on their mind, always, you know. And uh, those people, you're, you're always nervous around because you never know what they're going to say. You never know how they're going to portray something. And so, uh, and so that can be nerve-wracking, yes. Uh, but, uh, but the Bible says in verse number six that it's set on fire by hell. And so uh, he points out that uh, th- that spark that fuels all of the sparks uh, there. And so <clears throat> going down through, uh, through everything and leading us up uh, to uh, our text here tonight, uh, James is continuing with, uh, with, our, with the tongue and, and, uh, and, and, and he's, he's shifting gears, not just saying well, this is how bad it is and this is what it's doing, but he's also revealing something. The tongue is, is, is something of a spiritual barometer. It shows us uh, what is really going on on the inside. And so he's, he's conveying that, uh, realizing that we must, please don't miss this tonight, we must realize what our, what our tongue is capable of. It's capable of anything. Uh, it's, it's capable of, of, of saying anything at any time because uh, that's, that's that unruly fire uh, that's within us. Put under the right circumstances, it is amazing where you could be one of the most graceful people, but you finally had enough and under the right pressure, under the right person, the right circumstances, it's, it's, it's uh, no telling what we are capable of saying and doing. You've heard me often say that when somebody says, can you believe that so-and-so would do that? Yes, I believe it because we're sinful people. <laughs> Because we're sin-natured people and we are capable of doing anything. Now let me say this, never use that as a crutch. Never use that as an excuse in order to do whatever you want. Well, uh, you know, that's just the nature of me and, you know, uh, that's just the nature coming out. That's my sin nature coming out. No, that, you're never excused uh, to tell somebody off. You're never excused uh, to, to, to go off on somebody. Uh, but uh, our tongues 
show just how fundamentally inconsistent that we are. Uh, and it's very, very easy. You know, uh, you don't even, you ever had somebody trap you? You know, you weren't even intending to, to talk bad about somebody, but somebody walked up to you and started talking about how bad they don't like, how bad someone is. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in there. Oh yeah, they're a horrible person. And uh, oh, I tell you what, it's easy to get into that trap because we get, uh, we get, prideful. We get afraid to say what we really think instead of standing up and saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to uh, just uh, pass on this conversation. Uh, you, know, I, you know what? You must, you must learn how to guide conversations. Realize that much of our life has to do with what we say to people. Um, we, we ought to be able to guide conversations. If you don't know how to do that, you should learn how. You know, people will talk about some things. Uh, today, I had to mail a box. Someone, during the Christmas time, uh, someone mailed a box to our house, and it was meant to go to somewhere else, down in, uh, was it George, Tennessee, down in Nashville. This box was supposed to go to Nashville, but their Christmas box came to our house. But it had their label on the bottom of it, and on the top of it, it had our house. So we opened it up, and we're like, okay, we didn't order this. And, uh, and so I took it back uh, over, uh, took it back to UPS and said, hey, we need to, uh, we need to ship this thing. And he said, well, you're, it's going to be out of your pocket. We're not, we're not paying for the mistake. And I'm like, well, that's, that's real uh, nice of you. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I paid and but had some words there with him and kind words. It had been very easy for me to let him know how I felt. To, to mail this box back, it cost me $24 to mail this box uh, through UPS back to this person. It was a heavy box. And, um, you know, it had been very easy for me to get in the flesh and lose my testimony. But you know what? And this has nothing to do with it. I, I go over UPS probably a couple times a month to the same one and talk to the same guy. He's the same guy who's in there every time. You know, I could, and he, he was generous. He was, gen, he was kind to me and nothing, nothing, nothing negative on his part. Uh, but but it had been easy for me to lash out at him. Well, this is your fault and your problem. How many of you ever gone to a restaurant and had, poor, and got, had your food was cold when it got to you? How many of you ever had that? How many of you, they, they put it in front of you and you're just like, this is not what it's supposed to be. And you know what we tend to do? We tend to go off on the waitress. She had nothing, or the waiter. Hey, I was a waiter one time, you know, and, uh, uh, at Cracker Barrel. Had nothing to do with them. You know, half the people would, would, would chew us out over their, their food being poor quality. I didn't cook it. I just grabbed it out of underneath that heat lamp and set it on your table. That's all I did. <clears throat> if you had pancakes, I scooped some butter on there. But you know what people tend to do? They use their tongue. And you know what they do? They unleash a horrible, horrible poison with that. Where's the wisdom in that? Where's the wisdom in that? That's what, that's what I'm trying to convey here tonight. And so uh, we've already been uh, warned about the double-minded uh, and the discussion on praying to God for wisdom. James cautioned uh, that those who are uh, being double-minded should not expect to receive it. Uh, being double-minded is trying to think and live in two directions at once, both God's and the world's, and you can't do it. You cannot live God's way and the world's way. Let me, let me say this. People try to. Christians try to do it all the time. They, 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 they look out there, they see their friends having all this fun, drinking and partying and smoking and chewing and whatever else they're, they're, they're doing, and, uh, and they think, wow, that's a pretty good time. They're having a good time. But you know what? Once again, as you heard me say before, uh, you know, Satan doesn't show you the back door. He, he doesn't show you the hangover the next day. He doesn't show you the blackout when you wake up, uh, you know, the next day, not knowing who you were with or, you know, who you were involved with that next, that night before. You know, Satan doesn't show you that part of it. He shows you the fun time. And can I say this? That that lifestyle is fun for a while in the moment, but it's, it's, it's not of, it's not of God. You know, your flesh takes over and once, once your flesh takes over, uh, boy, I tell you what, you're in for a rude awakening. 
you are uh, because you are going to reap and reap and reap and reap. You say, Pastor Lang, you're just one of these Bible thumpers who, no, you listen, I've watched family member after family member, cousin after cousin, friend after friend live this party life. When I was in high school, I was invited to all the parties. You know, uh, they had party. I was on the football team. They had parties every Friday night. Every Friday night they had parties where everybody just basically got drunk beyond right, you know, anything they could ever imagine. And you know how many of those I went to? Zero. Do you know why? Because I didn't want to be around it. I didn't want to be influenced by it. And I didn't want, I didn't want any part of it. Uh, you know, you, you, will, you will reap what you sow. So be careful. Be careful um, in those ways. You know, um, humans have the, the capacity to delight in God and then curse someone that God has not only made, but that he made in, their, in his likeness. Now, we talked about this last week, we were, uh, and I mentioned, and I'm sorry to burst some of your bubbles, everybody uh, in here who thinks uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump is perfect, and uh, um, I think he's doing an amazing job. He's by far doing a better job than, than the alternative, and, uh, uh, but the one area I mentioned last week, I wish he would just get his mouth under control. He, he'd be, he would be so much better in line if he would just get his mouth under control. And, uh, and I mentioned this, you know, um, it's, it's, it's never right to sit and make fun of somebody and tear somebody down. Um, getting, getting off of him uh, in general, just saying, uh, be careful when you're in the company of those people who are just tearing somebody down on purpose uh, for their joys and for their, uh, for their own uh, personal pleasure or whatever it is. Uh, be, be very, very careful with that. So uh, what this exposes is uh, inconsistency, uh, a love for God and, uh, you know, and a love for the world. It's just not going to coexist. You are going to go to one or the other, and, uh, and you have to decide now, what is it going to be? Is it going to be with Jesus Christ, or is it going to be with the world? You know, James turns to the natural world to show us just how wrong this state of affairs is. In verses 11 through 12, look at it. Uh, Doth a fountain send forth at the same time uh, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of, of vine, figs? So can, no, so can no fountain both yield salt water and, <coughs> and fresh. And as we look at the world, this principle is clear. A, a product is always consistent with its source. If you plant a certain plant, it's going to yield whatever that plant yields, unless somebody mixed the package up on you. If you plant green beans, you're going to yield green beans. If you plant tomatoes, you're not going to get peaches. You're going to get tomatoes. Does that make sense? You are going to yield what you, uh, what you sow, what you plant. <clears throat> that's just how life works. That's not, that's not, that's not super deep. Uh, I wasn't trying to be. Uh, but, but a source of, uh, uh, of one kind is not going to produce something of two kinds. Fresh and salt water will never flow from the same spring is what he's saying here. Fresh water comes from one kind of source, salt water from another. And there is no such thing as a, as a blended source that can produce both. The product always matches the source. And so the product is therefore always a reflection of the source. The product is always a reflection of the source. What you end up with shows what you started with. Does that make sense? And so fruit is always in line with its source. If someone wants some fresh olives, uh, it's no use uh, uh, looking for them amongst the fig trees is what he's saying here. And so uh, very, very, very different there. As carefully as someone might look, uh, they may never find raspberries on the apple tree or bananas uh, in, in the potato plants. They're not, it's not going to happen. Uh, and it is the same when, uh, when it comes to the tongue. Uh, what we say is an issue precisely because it reflects what is going on underneath. 
What we say is, is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so the kind of fruit and evidence indicates what kind of tree is producing it. The type of language we speak indicates what kind of heart lies behind it. It's very, very important that we realize this in here today. We as Christians need to make sure uh, that our speech is above reproach. It is above reproach. You know, if you, if you want to know what someone is really like, uh, spend time listening to them talk. Simple. Um, just sit back, just listen. And I, and I know people do. People love, some people are just, excuse me here, they're just naturally nosy and, uh, and they like to listen in on everyone's conversations. And uh, some people are just, that's, that's how they are. Uh, but uh, you will find out, you don't have to ever talk, have a conversation with someone. You listen to them, you can find out what they're like. You can listen to our political leaders on, on the television and you can find out what they're like. You know where they stand. You know what their heart uh, is toward. And so more than anything else, the tongue shows what kind of people that we are. When we speak, it's reflecting what we are. And so look at Matthew chapter 12, if you would. Look at Matthew chapter 12. (coughs) Hold your finger there in James and turn over to Matthew 12 with me. (coughs) Matthew 12 and verse 33. The Bible says, either make the tree good and his fruit good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. <clears throat> and so to praise God and then, and then to speak against someone in his likeness shows what our hearts are truly like. You can be blessing somebody one minute and then going home and chewing your wife out and cussing at your wife or, or just being very rude to your family. Uh, you know, don't come in here and be this polished person and then you go home and you treat your family like dirt. You understand? Hey, don't go to work and treat people you don't even care about or even spend that much time with better than you do the people of your own home. Am I striking any nerves yet? Hey, we must, we must watch this. What am I saying? You know, some of us are going to wake up tomorrow. What's tomorrow's Thursday? You're going to, we're going to, you're going to go to the workplace. You're going to go, you're going to go to the grocery store. You're going to go somewhere and you're going to be as friendly as you can be. And then you're going to go home and your wife's going to say, how was your day? Fine. Where's my food? (laughs) <laughs> or you ladies are going to come home to your husband. Your husband's going to say, how was your work day? Fine, where's my food? And uh, whichever side of the, the, the spectrum it's on. Do you understand what I'm saying? But th- listen, this is, it gets very, very easy to get comfortable and to get into that fashion, to get into that mode. You know, we're in a brand new year, 2019. Why don't you reset those buttons in your own life? And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, you have bad days, you have good days. And, and by the way, let me say this, uh, that I'm speaking to myself. I mean, I don't come home screaming at my family or anything like that. But, but uh, you know, uh, this is a reminder for all of us that we need to make sure uh, that we, we, we stay upright. You know, every once in a while, my wife say, hey, how you doing? And I say, oh, not too good. I had to eat Dunkin', you know, I had to drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee today instead of what I wanted. But uh, uh, other than that, it was okay. And uh, no, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, But uh, praising God and then speaking filth with your mouth ought not to be. Ought not to be. Our language should reflect when we're talking to our common man as much as it does as when we're talking to God. Shouldn't it be, oh, I'm praying for you, sister so-and-so. And then you go home and you start talking about everybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be careful. Be careful. That's not wise. The uncomfortable conclusion 
is that unchristian speech is evidence of an unchristian heart. Unchristian speech is evidence of an unchristian heart. Well, I'm Christian. What? I'm not seeing it. <laughs> if you're talking in, 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 a, in a corrupt manner, if you're talking in a way uh, that doesn't please Jesus Christ, don't say that you're Christian. Just say you're a saved person, okay? And uh, there, there's a difference there. Uh, so uh, so here, here, here's what James is, uh, is drawing to. He's saying, you know what? It's impossible for us to talk the right way and to walk the right line, but it's not impossible with God. It's not, oh man, I just, this is how I am. This is how I'm always going to be. Absolutely not. Do not hold that and, and stand on that crutch for the rest of your life. Well, I'm just a sinner, so that's what I am. Absolutely not. You are a sinner saved by grace. You can be changed by the glory of God. Hey, if you're not in here and not changed in some capacity, then man, I tell you what, you need to seek Jesus Christ uh, a little closer than what you've been. Hey, you know, we ought not be uh, given in. You know, uh, I've heard people say, you ought not be struggling with the same things today as you were, you know, 10 years ago. Hey, the reality is Satan, if he knows it's your weakness, he's going to make you, he's going to tempt you. He's going to make you struggle as much as he can. Hey, but there's a difference in, in struggling with something uh, from years ago and, and giving into it. There's a difference. Just because you struggle with something does not mean you're less of a person. It's giving into it that makes the difference in our lives. If we've taken James for what he's at face value, there ought to be a, a, a thought in each of us that we should seek to never to say anything ever again uh, is what we could think. Well, preacher, I just won't say anything at all. That is not what God wants for us. He doesn't want you to just be quiet. Well, maybe for some of you. No, uh, maybe that's the case for some, but no. Uh, he doesn't want you to, okay, well, I just won't say anything at all. No, that's, that's a three-year-old's mindset. Well, fine, I just won't say anything. You ever, you ever had somebody do that? Hey, won't you speak gracious speech? Fine, I won't say anything at all then. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? I'd drive, just say, you little three-year-old, quit crossing your arms and get out of the nursery, okay? And <laughs> uh, come on now. And uh, why don't you just straighten up? Why don't you just clean up your speech? Why don't you just do what you say? And you know, I believe we'd have far less of all of this trash in the world if we Christians would stand up and speak up. What you say, you know, what you say now. <laughs> I have this thing that I say with people when I'm counseling. <clears throat> when I sit down and I'm in, in, if it's husband or wife or whatever the case is. You know, I say, all right, now you understand that, you know, we go through some privacy things there. Is this a conversation that is not to leave this room? You know, there's certain things that I'll go over, uh, Brother David, and I'll go through some of those things. And so we, I know right up front if this is something that, uh, that is top secret between me and this person only or whatnot. And uh, we go through some of those things. And, uh, and I'll usually say if there's people counseling, I'll say, all right, now remember, anything you say can and will be used against you. <laughs> anything you say can and will begin to be careful what you say be careful how you say it it's going to affect next month next week next year it's going to affect your life some way and so James has shown us that Christians should be able to exhibit a measure of self-control self-control with our speech you know it is it's a matter of self-control what we say we don't have to say it. Uh, you know, 
If you find yourself getting frustrated, and I'll say this in marriage counseling every time, if you find yourself getting frustrated, walk away, bite your lip, and take a walk. Can I say this? I know that's simple, and that's very primary level stuff. But I tell you what, it, it, that, that advice will save many marriages. You have no idea how many times I've had to take a walk from my wife. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, come on, wake up, wake up. <laughs> no, you know what? The, the reality is my wife and I have never had a major fight. We haven't. We've had disagreements. Yes, everyone does. You know what? Sometimes she has to walk away from me. She's like, all right, I'm, you're, we're just not on the same page here. <laughs> sometimes I may have to walk away from her, but we're not on the same page. We're just not, you know, we're not, we're not meshing here. You know, sometimes that happens, but you know what? That doesn't give us a right to lash out. And, and can, can I say this? That I think deep down inside of every one of us in this room, there is that ability. There is, I know, I'm not just thinking, I know there is, but within us, there's, there's that rage that could come out if we don't bridle it through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so, what's the answer? What is impossible for man is possible with God. I can't do it. I can't walk the line, but, but through Jesus Christ I can. You know, the, the moment I try to take matters into my own hands and do things in my own way, in my own spirit, uh, it's going to drastically change uh, what God has for me. It's going to drastically change what God can do if I would allow the Holy Spirit to work through me and not try to say, all right, God, I'm good. I've got this. It changes everything. Verse number 13 who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good con- a conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. With meekness of wisdom. You know, it, it, it's very important to, to get this here tonight. Where is the wisdom and understanding in any given person? The wisdom and understanding. We want understanding. We want wisdom. We want knowledge. We want all of these things. Uh, but how can we tell uh, where that, that comes from? If the church uh, we belong to suddenly needed a, needed a you know a new leadership, maybe we you know something happened to me and you needed a new pastor. Uh, if the church uh, if that happened, God forbid that happened. Uh, but uh, uh, if that did, who would we look to? Who would we look for? Uh, and, and what do we base our assessment on uh, when trying to determine uh, who is wise? That's a very important decision. Where, where do you base that off of? A common tendency is to equate wisdom and understanding with cleverness. Wow, they're witty. Wow, they can quote a lot of verses. Wow, they seem to really know a lot about this circumstance or this, this type of thing. And, uh, and you can find that. And so we, we end up uh, looking for people who seem to know the most and have had the most theological training. Or, you, know, you know, I've learned this. Um, I've got friends who, who have doctorates. And, and excuse me for a second, and they're as dumb as a box of rocks. Just because, you know, I know people, Brother David, if you want to, you got a bachelor's, right? You got a bachelor's like, like I have. You, you know, if, if, if Brother David and I wanted to get a master's, we could pay about $20 and get a paper sent to us on, uh, through the email. If we wanted to, I know, I know more people that have an a, a, a honorary doctorate than anything. That does nothing for me. That, it really does. I, I, re, I really, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything extra for me to walk around and say, well, I've got this piece of paper. Uh, and yeah, I'm probably going to eventually take them down, but nobody's ever, you know, I've got my diploma hanging and my ordination certificate hanging on my wall in my office. Why? Because I paid a lot of money for it and I want people to see it. And I kind of joke about that. 
But the reality is that doesn't make me any smarter than somebody else because I have that piece of paper from a college that says I have this degree, does it? It doesn't. You know, there's a, <laughs> I remember, never forget this, when I graduated, or I think, yeah, we graduated, my wife, my wife graduated, I graduated after her, and, uh, and we moved up to Akron, and I was, there was a church in Kentucky that asked me to, to come and candidate. This is before we came down here, and uh, <laughs> they asked me to candidate, and, and so uh, uh, I remember going down, and, and um, I asked my wife's preacher, Brother Fox, I said, do I need to be ready to be questioned? And, uh, and they, he said, oh, no, no, they just want to check you out, see if they like your style and all that stuff, and I got finished. I'll never forget it. They did Sunday school. I got up. I preached the morning message. And before I even walked down off of the platform, they said, all right, are you ready for questioning? I thought, I'm, uh-oh. <laughs> and they pulled out this book that they got from the, the, the family Christian bookstore and started asking me a bunch of questions from it. And they're reading from here. And I'm like, these questions have nothing to do with your size of ministry and your ministry here. Uh, you know, and, uh, but, but you know what? Uh, the questions they were trying to ask me, how many degrees do you have? And I said, I'm 22 years old. How many degrees do you think I have? <laughs> I just, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, we, can, we can search for that and we can try to use that as an opportunity uh, to, uh, uh, to, to show ourselves as having more wisdom. Uh, you know, um, that doesn't mean anything. Now, I'm for education. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. Uh, if you've got multiple degrees, I'm for you. <coughs> But that doesn't make you a wise person. Wisdom is something uh, that can be shown and it does not exist if, if it is not shown. Just, rea- just reality, that's the reality of it. If it's seen, uh, not just in words, but in deeds. Uh, it is someone's conduct and how they live rather than their brain power and what they know. And so once again, trying to, don't tell me what you know. Don't tell me what you can do. People do that all the time especially, Brother Dave and I were talking about this, especially in the area of music. When people come to the church, if they're musically inclined, they want to tell me everything they've ever done, every instrument they've ever played, every, every you know, all that. They want to give me all this stuff and try to build it up. And I, I'm like, okay, that's wonderful. That's great. But do you tell others about Jesus? I'm glad that you do that, but, but do, you, do, you, do you really love the Lord? You know, I'm more interested in someone coming up to this, to this platform and singing who has a tender heart for Jesus Christ, going to this piano who really loves God than to come up here and to perform for us and really, and, and really just treat people like dirt. I would rather have somebody come up here who cannot sing at all, but they love the Lord and they truly mean and live what they're singing then they have somebody that has all the talent in the world and their heart is just black. That's, my, that's where I stand with that, if you were wondering. In looking for wisdom, we're, to, we're almost finished here. In looking for wisdom, we're to, we're to look for, for a good life, not clever answers. And a good life is one made up of Deeds done in humility. Wisdom leads to humility, which in turn produces good deeds. Let me say that one more time. Wisdom leads to humility, which in turn produces good deeds. If you change your heart, your speech will follow. If you change your heart, your speech will follow. We're trying to clean up our speech. We're trying to, you know, and, and that's, isn't it funny when you see a new Christian and they, they realize, oh, you're not supposed to cuss and, you know, all that stuff. And so they try to watch and, and they, every other word they're saying, oh, excuse me for what they just said. And they're trying to clean it up. Well, there's a difference in somebody who's trying to clean up what they're saying and cleaning up the reflection of what's in their heart. 
Because if you don't clean the heart up, what's coming out of the mouth is always going to keep coming out of the mouth. You can reform it, you can polish it up a little bit, but it's still going to be the same garbage that's coming out. We've got to address the heart issue. Every wrong form of speech is a sign that there is a lack of wisdom. You see somebody who's just talking trashy, talking like their mouth is full in the gutter. There's not very much wisdom there. Pride means we want to promote ourselves and bring others down. Pride is nothing to be proud of. Wisdom that is motivated by the right things is what we should seek. Verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. How much, how is this wisdom gained? There are two kinds of wisdom, and they, they're both different. One comes down from heaven, and the other is earthly, the Bible says. One is spiritual, the other is unspiritual. There's two kinds of wisdom. You either possess spiritual wisdom or earthly, unspiritual wisdom. One or the other. What we feed our minds with on the television, on the radio, with the friends we, we, we bring into our lives, it is going to be a reflection of the wisdom that we have. The Bible says, so where does wisdom come from? The Bible says, and you don't have to turn here, just write the, the reference down for sake of time. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6 says, the, the Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom is from the Lord. Hey, I want wisdom, I want wisdom. You've got to seek God for it. We cannot gain true wisdom without turning to God for it. You need wisdom. I don't know about you, but I always, I always seek wisdom from God. I don't want wisdom in my own power. I don't want to brag on what I can do. But let's look at verse number 17 as we're closing up the chapter. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, this is a great little list of guidelines when you're going to somebody and wondering if they're giving you some good godly wisdom. If verse number 17 of James, of James 3 does not permeate out of their mouth and out of their life, you might want to think twice about going to them for godly wisdom. Does that make sense? Because these are some characteristics that are going to flow from them and from their lips. And they can't help it but to just say it. They're going to live it and they're going to do it. And that is exactly what we're trying to get out of the book of James. Is the fact of it's not one thing to just say this is what I am. Live what you are. Let people see your good works. And glorify God. Earthly wisdom produces strife and sets people apart from one another. God's wisdom leads to harmony. You know, I had, that's one of the biggest problems I had in our last presidency. Excuse me just for a moment here. Uh, but under uh, uh, some of your all's favorite president, Barack Obama. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, under his president, there was so much division. I, I can't stand somebody to come in and start putting, playing the color card and the race card and start causing division, purpose division. I, 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 ooh, I tell you what, it burns me. Can I say this, that that is not godly wisdom? 
to do those things. God's wisdom is not, when you're trying to counsel with somebody and they're counseling you to hurt somebody, they're counseling you to get away from God, they're counseling you to follow your own heart, they're counseling you to do your own thing, that is not godly wisdom, that is worldly wisdom, and they are not helping you, they are hurting you. You know what's easy to do? It's easy to say, you know, Pastor Lang, I don't like all these things that you're preaching, and you know what you do? You go church shopping. And you start looking for a preacher who will tell you what you want. I don't have a problem with this, so um, let's see here. This church doesn't preach on that. They're actually for it. So uh, let's see, this preacher uh, is this, so we'll go over here. You know, people go over to churches like Crossroads by the Droves. You know why? Because the preacher walks up to the pulpit with a Budweiser in his hand, rolls up his sleeve with all 30 of his tattoos, and says, hey, this is how I live, so I might as well not be a hypocrite. Well, thank you for not being a hypocrite, uh, but look what you're doing to your congregation. There was somebody who used to, I'm not going to say their name, somebody who used to go to our church, they had a, they moved away, but uh, they had a business meeting over at Crossroads where they, they used some of their facilities for different meetings and things, not just for um, you know, their show that they put on there. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say church, but I couldn't say that. Uh, he said, they said, hey, you want a drink? They took them around back and they said they opened up this garage door and it was full of beer kegs. Full. <laughs> Could you imagine your, your, your tithe money going to that? I'll get off subject. Let me, I'm, I'm, I need to finish. Whew. Wisdom. I wasn't trying to just just talk about the place or tear them down. What I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to expose, as I expose to a lot of people, is this: you know, uh, you can find the place who's going to do what you want to do. But I don't want to. I don't want to follow my heart. I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Bible says. Verse number eighteen, last verse, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. <clears throat> the behavior produced by wisdom invests itself in such a way as to lead. To further fruit. The fruit of the righteous is sown in peace to them that make peace. <clears throat> you know, what you sow is a reflection of where your heart is right now. Who you invest in, what you do, what you spend your money on, what you spend your time on is a reflection of where your heart is right now. There's a re illustration of what James is saying here in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured down in the early church believers. Turn to Acts chapter 2 real quick and we'll be finished. <clears throat> I know Mr. Leaf in his Sunday school classes, he goes through, he's been going through the book of Acts. <coughs> it's good stuff, isn't it? Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in the place in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse number three, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, a, like of a, as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And James three, in, it's, it's James three in reverse is what we just read. The effects of the tongue are no less widespread, but now the great forest is ablaze with the Spirit of God. Heavenly speech is now our native tongue, 
and we need to learn fluency. I'm no longer what I used to be. I'm filled with the Spirit. So therefore, I just had a bad day. Okay, we all have a bad day, and that, okay, I get that, I get that. You were flustered. But then what happens tomorrow when you give in to that fluster, that frustration? And it gets easier, doesn't it? The more we okay it, the more we excuse it, the more we do it. And we find ourselves talking to people in a way that we would never dream we would talk to people. You say, well, that just doesn't, uh, that doesn't sound like me. Well, you'd be surprised at what you'll say. <laughs> Under the right circumstances, in the right situation. <laughs> James chapter 3, very, very clear. Your tongue can cause you to do a lot of things and say a lot of things you'd never dream of. We need godly wisdom. We need to seek wisdom in what we say. Think about it before you say it. Count to ten before you respond. Okay, <laughs> let me bite my tongue. Sometimes you've got to say, all right, well, we'll talk later. You know, there's been many times where I've had people get upset with me. And I've just, I've just had to say, hey, you know what? Let's talk about this later. Let's just talk about this later. You know why? Because I know what my tongue is capable of. Can I get an amen right there? And I know deep down inside, if I unleash my tongue, I'm going to end up saying something that I'll regret, end up saying something that could, that could render me <laughs> useless in the ministry. Why? So that I can tell them how I really thought about them. What have I gained? At the end of it, how many of you ever said something to somebody and you thought, before you even finished saying it, you thought, oh man, I wish I hadn't. How many of you have ever been there? We all have. Oh yeah. Some of you raised both your hands. <laughs> you know what? We can't, once it's gone, we can't get it back. We can apologize, but it's still always going to be there. You said it. We don't need to dwell on the past. Let's dwell on right now. Okay, let's make sure that our speech is with, the Bible says our speech should always be with grace. Always with grace. Seasoned. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.